Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at todayshomebc.com. Powered by Black Press Media. With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. From code to closets, safety to skylights, we'll take you behind the walls and all things home building and renovation. And give you the ins and outs from the experts on what you should know in plain language about home building, design, and renovation. I'm Mike Friedman. And I'm Jennifer Lee. Now that you're here, why not hit subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. And don't forget to share with your family, friends, or anyone else you know who might be thinking of a project in their home now or in the future. Hey, Jen, how are you today? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I'm awesome, and I'm thinking it's time to start talking about the construction phase. Whoa, Mike, hold on. It's too soon. Listen, so far this season, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about finding a builder, bringing your dream team together to pre-plan your builder renovation. We've also talked about the benefits of high-performance homes and the importance of interior design. So I'm thinking by now, we must be ready to pick up some tools. Well, what I've learned from working with my brother and dad is there's still a lot of planning to be done. Yes, we've been planning so far, but now we have to take the quotes and secure accurate estimates to stay on budget and to make sure that we've got everything lined up. So permitting passes with the least amount of hiccups. Oh, yeah. Permits. I remember those. I hadn't really thought about those, but I think that's something really, really important to talk about. So people understand that. Oh, there's so much to think about when you're wanting to build a house. And that is why we are bringing the experts to talk to us through what we need to know before we start building or renovating. Oh, you're absolutely right. And if there's been one thread of knowledge throughout this entire season so far, it's the importance of taking the time up front to properly plan. Yeah, and I'm excited because we are very fortunate to have Sarah Gallup, founder of Sarah Gallup Design Inc. in the studio today. Sarah's designed many award-winning spaces since founding Sarah Gallup Design Inc. in 2009 and is also a regular contributing writer for Black Press and Glacier Media and a featured columnist for West Coast Homes and Design Magazine. She has presented on the main stage at the BC Home and Garden Show and the Vancouver Fall Home Show and has also appeared on Global TV, CTV, and CBC Radio. What an accomplished woman and also I have to say, if you're in a award show, best table to sit at. Her team is so much fun. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, guys. So nice to be here. Hey, Sarah, super nice to meet you. I've actually seen you at a number of home shows when I work in the Haven booth and things like that. And I actually work with a number of the builders that you work with as well. So it's great to finally meet you in person and put a face to the name that's doing all these wonderful designs. And we're really grateful for the opportunity to have you in studio today. Hi, Sarah. I know you and Rob for quite a while now. And uh, my brother and I have, like I said, been at events and different things with you guys. You guys have such a great story because you also work together as a couple, which I think is amazing. Can you tell us how you guys started Sarah Gallup Design Inc. way back and how you got into being an interior designer? Yeah, way back. 2009, um, I started the company. I was already working in the industry at the time, but I sort of saw some better ways to do some things and I sort of wanted to venture out of my own. And so I, I did that. And um, Rob joined uh, about two years later. He was still working behind the scenes with me while he was working in an accounting firm still, but uh, he kind of came on board full time. I think it was 2011 and uh, we've been doing it ever since and it's kind of crazy 
it's a little it's it's weird working with your spouse but it's also like the if it works it's the best thing ever you're a power couple i love it (laughs) (laughs) the design power couple yeah and rob says he's like i'll do anything but design i'm like yeah that's best to leave to me (laughs) oh that sounds familiar and let's talk about pre-construction planning and we're going to review the design team today now i know your company is a design firm and there are also design build firms out there so might be kind of confusing for somebody who's not in this business and doing this on a regular basis. Can you talk a little about your philosophy on design versus design build firms? Because Joshua from Maestro Development walked us through the difference from a builder's perspective, but we would love to hear what you think about it from a designer's perspective. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I can actually really speak to both parts of that. I When I started, um, before I was started my own firm, I was working in design build. Um, and uh, it's a different model. I mean, there's pros and cons to both. I think it's a matter of sort of clients doing their research and seeing what, what they're most comfortable with. The thing that I found really great about um, independent design, which is what we do, um, is uh, that we're able to advocate for our clients. So it's a little bit different. We still want to progress the pre-construction phase with a builder. We want to work for the client. We want to always look out for their best interests and advise them independently of influence that a builder might have over us if we were working for them directly. And I know we get this question all the time as a builder. A lot of people will be like, well, what's the difference between an interior designer and an architect? And do I need both? My answer to that is we love it when you have both. We don't like it when you just have one or the other when you're doing a new build because we love working as a team. But can you tell us a little bit about what is the difference between an architect and interior designer for someone that might not know. Yeah, I mean, the architect's going to be doing the structure, like the box that you're going to build within. And so they'll do your plans, your permit set, and coordinate potentially consultants as needed. So you might have like Arborist and Geotech and all these other people that are required to get your building permit. An interior designer is sort of going to take it from where the architect leaves off. And for single family, you actually don't have to have an architect. You could have a house designer or draftsperson or somebody else doing up your plans, but you do need the plans to be able to get the permit. So an interior designer takes it from where the, uh, the box is left off and they'll fill the box. So they'll work with you on your kitchen design, your bathrooms, your materials, fixtures, all those other details that sort of make a house a home. You know, earlier this week, we were chatting a little bit and you said something that really stuck out. And that is that it doesn't have to cost more to be better. And I think that's a really powerful statement. It has to do with the planning more than anything else. And can you speak to this a little bit more and sort of expand on this thinking so people really understand? Yeah, I think ultimately everything that we do in design comes down to planning. And, you know, we've we've been doing this for such a long time that um, we know smart ways to accomplish the same sort of goals. And, you know, it is true that you don't have to necessarily spend more money for it to be better. It just needs to be thought through really well. And we need to understand the end user and how they're going to function in the home and, you know, how they live and who's there. And, you know, they have to be comfortable enough to be able to share those things with us because otherwise we're just not going to be, we're not going to learn enough to be able to offer suggestions that that are really going to enhance their lives. And that's the thing you really want to make sure that your client is open with you because like you said, you're going to give them a better design if they tell you what they want. We have to know the questions to ask. So that's part of what our job is, is to get that information out of them because a lot of the times they'll share some things, but that's just scratching the surface. And so we need to ask those deeper questions. And I, and I say to, you know, clients often, I'm like, you know, I have to know weird things about you and it's okay. There's no judgment here. It is. We just want to know how you shower and, you know, are there more than one person in there? And like, I'm not, there's nothing more to it than I just want to know how to service you better so that when you are doing whatever you're doing, that you're going to have the best experience with it. You know, that's part of what, you know, having an experienced designer help you through that process and, and ask the questions because homeowners, as much as they might be informed homeowners, they still 
know parts of what they need to be looking at. And I find that, you know, our job is to make sure that they don't have regret when everything is done. And so we need to get that information out of them. And sometimes they're not comfortable sharing. And, and when you kind of get to know them a little bit better, then these things just start falling out of them. And, you know, some sometimes it's more than what we need to know, but that's okay too. <laughs> You've also talked, Sarah, about the design and the architectural process as looking down the line with a holistic approach versus a linear approach. Uh, what do you mean by this? I always advise people to to think big picture when they're, especially when they're renovating. You know, it obviously happens when they're building because they're going to look at all aspects of the home. But when people renovate, sometimes they're like, oh, I just want to do my main floor. It's like, okay, that's great. We can certainly talk about that and think about what you might want for that. What does this house look like when you've, when you've done everything that you want to do to it? You know, the, what are those things down the road? It's like, well, actually, I also really don't like the way the bathroom's working. And maybe down, you know, in a couple of years, we're thinking we might do this thing outside. It's like, that's cool. Let's think about those things on a high level now, because there might be some aspects of that that we can plan for and incorporate into this first phase so that we're ready for that one. So that we're not undoing things we've just done, or we're not limiting things that could be done down the road because of what you've done in this phase. So the big picture is so important to think about. And, you know, we're not, we're not asking those questions to force people to do more than what they want to do in this first phase, but it's just to be you know, better planned and, and set up for those future things. There are interior design plans, there's construction plans, and to people it might be a little bit overwhelming too. Can you help us understand what the difference is between each of these two types of plans? Yeah, the construction plans or the architectural plans would be the ones that uh, get you your permit. So that's the one that goes into city, the engineers sign off on them. Um, again, there might be other consultants that are required. Those are the ones that um, the contractor is going to build off of, but that only gives you you know, honestly, not even half the information. It's the shell, right? And then the interior design plans are the rest of it. It's everything inside the box. And the other part of interiors that uh, is a really, really important deliverable is the specifications. And what are all those materials that are going in? As far as the drawings, the interior drawings show elevations. They'll show reflected ceiling plans, lighting, like electrical finish plans, all these different items that give the trades more information to be able to actually price it. Because if you were to just give um, a contractor or a subcontractor, a set of architectural drawings and say like, oh yeah, price, you know, price this out hardwood guy. Um, he's gonna be like, okay, well, uh, I don't know. I know how much space, but I don't know anything else about, about what it is that you want. So um, the, the interior design gives a lot more information that is uh, needed to price things out properly. And speaking of pricing, I know this is a question a lot of interior designers get because I talk to them about it, but a lot of people will be like, well, why do I need to pick the bathroom faucet for the master bathroom like 12 months in advance? Yeah, again, it's to allow, allow the builders to plan out. And the, the rough-ins for some of those things happen very early on. And everything affects everything else in construction, which you know obviously affects design. So when we can give the contractor a complete picture of what is going in, they, the finished product is going to be so much more refined and better thought through. And um, they also can price it out. They can order it in advance. I mean, some product might take you know three or four months to come in. And so if you're picking that two weeks before you need it, you're not going to have it in time and then everything gets delayed right so the better you can plan it out the better for sure yeah and the contractor likes it too <laughs> when you plan things out because yeah. you know it's, we want to know what's going on it's the only way that they can price it out properly otherwise you're looking at allowances and allowances are not going to be the actual cost of the project i mean i think that when people um start getting into their selections they they realize that oh okay, well, what I want, that's a number that gives me something, but it's not necessarily the thing that I want. If that happens across the board on every 
you know, every category, it's like all of a sudden your, you know, $500,000 renovation is like $700,000 and you need to start looking at scope adjustments to make that work. Right. So, um, there's, there's a lot to it. It, it keeps, it keeps the homeowners in control the earlier they can get organized. And I think there's another benefit to homeowners as well. And I see this in my end of things a lot where people are bringing at the very end of the project. So a homeowner has to make a decision in a relatively fast amount of time. And there's regrets that go with that and lack of preparedness. So I think the other great thing about working with someone like yourself and planning well ahead is it's a comfortable decision-making process. It's not like you have to make a decision by today. You have time to look and think and process. That being said, sometimes people make choices and things change. Styles change, technology changes, or people simply regret the choices they've made. How do we keep our homeowners on course and how do we deal with changes that need to be made midway through the process? Yeah, I mean, planning it out doesn't mean that people can't make change because items can go discontinued, new things can come out. It gives you a reference point. It gives them a point in time where they can say, okay, well, I chose this thing and it was $500 and everything was based on this, these items I chose. And if I, if I saw a spectacular light fixture six months later that I really want to go with, it's like that one's $5,000. The one that was in the budget was $3,500. I know that I'm spending $1,500 more and I know the lead time. Does the lead time work? Like there, there are, there's still opportunity for them to make changes and refinements, but they have a baseline to work off of when they've picked those things in advance you can go back and say like hey you know what these things that we you were really wanting to do it's like we could accomplish that like this instead and you know is that a, a compromise that you're willing to make or what if we were to do this or what if we split this part off as a separate project um so i mean yeah i've, I've had clients that um the budgets end up not where they want to be just because you know they get carried away and excited as they go through and it's a matter of like bringing it back to reality and but because they're doing this in advance they're not committed to spending that money that they don't want to spend. Like they can make changes to, to get it where they're comfortable before anybody rips their house apart. Like you've said before in other discussions we've had, it's easier to move a wall on paper than move a physical wall when it's 100%. already built. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, I mean, there's a, I'm just trying to think we, we use this uh, kind of analogy. It's like, it's, let's say it's a hundred bucks to change it on paper and it's a thousand bucks to change it in construction. And it might be like 10,000 to change it after. So spend more time working on paper, spend more time in planning to be really, really sure. And then you're not going to have regret and you're going to like, as much as it takes time and it takes money, it's a lot less to get it right there than it is to kind of have to change things later. Gosh, I wish I'd spoken to you when I did my renovation. <laughs> I have a quick question about budget. And this is for someone who's sitting at home going, what comes next? I maybe do I do this myself or do I engage a professional like yourself? For me as a homeowner, going and sourcing a lot of the finishing materials and things like that versus working with someone like you as relationships with suppliers, is there a benefit to working with someone like you, a cost benefit? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we have trade accounts with uh, pretty much every supplier there is out there. Um, and uh, those discounts do get passed along to our clients. So um, we, we do that also with the builders that we work with. If they don't have an account, let's say that we had to source something super obscure that they're like, oh, I don't have an account with that person. It's like, we do. We have that account and they can just buy on our account if if they need to, to get that so they don't have to go through and set that up. If it's like a one-off thing that they're like, I'm never ever going to buy from this guy again because it's this like random thing that this specific client wants, we can still get that. So um, our buying power is pretty significant. We do a lot of projects in a year and um, that two reasons. One, we do a lot of volume and two, um, we're influencing what the selections are. So the suppliers are very incentivized to to make it good for 
our clients. I want to bring up an important point. You you touched upon this earlier. You talked about working collectively with a team. Now we've spent tons of time doing the planning process and even the best made plans aren't going to work if they're not executed properly. So I want to talk to you today about communication because we have so many different fingers in the pot. We have a designer, a builder, an architect, a trades, and oh yeah, me as the homeowner in the middle trying to figure out all the stuff I want. Who do you speak to about what and how do you set up proper communication channels with the right people so that nothing gets missed and none of the important details that we've spent so long planning for are lost? I think it depends on what stage you're at. So in pre-construction, your lead is your designer and you go to your designer and your contractor is there in more of a support role. When you hit construction, it flips. So the contractor is then the lead and the designer is in the support role. I mean, it's best to just include everybody so that whoever is sort of you know, the most relevant to answer the conversation will just jump in as they need to. But I totally see it like that. It's lead and support and then flipped as soon as you hit construction. And because there are so many people working on your project, me as the client, this is the most important question I want to know is the money I'm giving out for my project. Who holds all that money? In pre-construction and design, um, you would have a contract with a designer and that you'd be billed monthly or whatever it might be for that. And in construction, you're again, the, the the main point is with the contractor and they're the ones that are invoicing you for um, progress as things are progressing and um, the money would go to them, like the payments would go to them and they would disperse to the sub-trades as, as needed. I knew the answer to that one because we are the builder yes. and we are the holder. <laughs> I know it was a trick question, but important for people that aren't in the industry to, sure. to know because that that's a question of like, I'm giving this money, who's it going to and is it getting dispersed properly? Yeah. Great information so far. Really love the dialogue we have going, but we are going to have to take a short break. We're going to take a quick break to thank our podcast partners. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. Measure Twice Cut Once is a new podcast and we're grateful for the support from our podcast partners, BC Hydro and Fortis BC. Their support helps us share expert knowledge like we're hearing today from Sarah to help homeowners design, build and renovate right the first time. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please like, follow or share with your family and friends. The more followers we have, the better chance more people will find our podcast. And this information is gold. I only wish I knew what I'm learning today from Sarah when I renovated my home. And you're going to like this, Mike, because by liking and sharing us, you'll be entered for a chance to win a Napoleon Prestige P500 stainless steel natural gas barbecue from our friends at Fortis BC. Like and share us and you will win. Think positive thoughts, manifest <laughs> great things. You're going to get a brand new barbecue. And it is an amazing barbecue. It's valued over $1,000, but enough about barbecue. Let's get back to Sarah. Okay, so we've talked about the benefits of planning. And from my background at Euro Canadian, I know the value of creating accurate estimates from the plans and quotes. Who deals with the design and construction estimates? Well, our job as a designer is to prep all the information. It's like uh, the Lego instructions we often refer to it as. I love that. The Lego instructions to build the house. And then the, the contractor, the general contractor or builder would um, procure all the quotes from all of the sub-trades as needed. So they would put that information out to all of their, their people and the numbers would come back into them. They would put together that final budget that's including the sub-trade quotes, materials, and um, the labor of their, their team and then put that to the client. So once you've got these quotes back, who's responsible from there? Who chooses which quotes are the right ones? Generally, the contractor would do that in conjunction with um, the homeowner. They'll advise them on pros and cons of certain guys, and they'll look at the numbers and sort of make decisions on that. The design team is usually not that involved in um, who's doing the actual um, installation of the products. Um, the products themselves would be selected by our, our teams, and um, that would be in the specification document. So they would be obtaining quotes from the suppliers that we had indicated. And I know we've talked before, and you've talked about the matchmaking is part of the process, is making sure that you basically get the right person 
person for the project? Yeah, I mean, from a construction point of view, you need to go with somebody that you're comfortable with. Um, when we're asked by a client, um, who you know, who who should I use? What? How do I? How do I pick? It's it is very much a matchmaking, and we've spent a little bit of time with them at that point to uh, sort of you know feel them out and see who we think might be a good fit for them. And lots of things go into that that matchmaking and and sort of determining who we think is good for them. But ultimately, it's the client's decision to pick someone that they're comfortable with. Um, a lot of them do go. Um, on our recommendations. We can design a beautiful plan and if it's not done properly on the construction side, it's still not gonna, you know, they're not gonna get what they really want. Yeah, it's like going back to your Lego analogy. It's like you really want those bricks to fit and Lego pieces fit together. So you want the proper builders that work together with interior designers. Yeah, and somebody who's proactive and really disciplined in the planning because um, there are awesome builders there are great quality builders out there but if they don't have that discipline and they're not willing to put the time into preparing a like a firm budget early with the design information it's still not going to be a great experience overall no that's the one thing that we've learned throughout this podcast that every guest has said that we've had on is really finding that right fit between interior designer sub trades contractor everybody so and yeah. I think you've also hit the nail on the head of something else as well. We would work with someone like you, not just because of your expertise and your skill set, but also the type of relationships you bring to the table. You have extensive experience working with the best people in our business. So for my perspective as a homeowner, if I don't know who to talk to, I have to rely on the partnerships I've created. And really, when you think about it, if we're talking about a big project, it's almost like a marriage. We're going to be together for two years. So you have to get the right fit. You have to get the right people. I do want to shift gears a little bit and talk about product selection, because this is when we start to get into the fun part of it. How important is the selection of products to the overall design and project costs? And how do you deal with decision fatigue? Because all of a sudden, I as a homeowner have 300 choices. And at a certain point, I'm inundated by too much information. How do you manage this so people like me don't throw my hands up in the air and go, I don't, I don't care anymore? That's exactly why you hire a professional to help you, right? Because a designer's job is to filter that information for you and just put options in front of you that are going to work for what the overall aesthetic that you want is. So the first thing that we would do on the interior side is work with you on a concept. So what kind of direction? Like, are we going modern? Are we doing a farmhouse? Are we doing traditional? Like, what is the overall high level look and feel going to be? And then we will just show you things that will get you there. And they will be at varying price points. And we can talk about, you know, pros and cons of certain materials and fixtures and everything else. Good part of what we do is educating our clients on all of those things so that they can make an informed decision. Again, part of the questions and, and getting all that information out of them is, is to give them things that makes sense and we're not going to if they have little kids that are going to have green toothpaste we're not going to show them a marble countertop like that doesn't make sense for the use you know the way that we do our process um, with our firm is we um, we present everything at once and so it's a lot easier I find for homeowners to be able to make decisions when they can picture the whole space it's hard to go into a tile showroom or a a lighting showroom and look at 800 things and be like how do I even possibly narrow down what I might want is very overwhelming our clients don't do that they come to us we present one or two or three options for them based on that aesthetic that they've indicated that they want and it's a very safe place for making decisions you know, it comes down to being prepared, like you said, and we've been talking this whole time about the planning process. The more you're prepared, the less likely it's going to cost you more money. And at the same time, you're going to hopefully save time as well and get things done on time. And as we always say, on budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the decisions come easy once you start making a couple. Honestly, like we go, we go around this table and we show them 
okay, here's your hardwood floor. It's like now that now that we've got that, then the millwork. It's like okay, well these two now that you've picked this one don't go. So this one is the one that would make the most sense with this. When they uh, potentially come in, or they even think about how many decisions there are when they look at a specification document, they're like, oh my gosh, it's like seventy pages or a hundred pages of decisions. How am I possibly going to get there? It's like honestly, it's not. It's easy once you get started. You just need to set the direction, and then everything relates back to that. Does this decision work with what the concept was? Yes or no. Do you recommend that people plan to a budget or do you recommend people plan for everything they want and then you help them find substitutions that will allow them to conform to a budget? Like where should I start if I'm planning something? I think you need to have some idea for where you're comfortable with budget. But I also think that, you know, one of the conversations that we have very early on with people is, okay, you want to do this and this and this. What do you think that might cost? Like, because a lot of people just don't know the expectation might be unrealistic and so part of what we'd go through before we even do like sign a client would be okay well this type of project that you're talking about might be in this sort of range you know we do this every day and we've seen lots of projects with lots of budgets with lots of contractors and we can kind of again educate them on what it might be and then if that's not where they want to be then okay then we think about okay let's look at your priorities and come up with a scope that's maybe more realistic with what you want to spend and maybe those other pieces are future phases and we're planning for those down the road with our big picture thought and there's lots of ways to to accomplish it and uh but but it has to be in the ballpark like it has the scope and the budget have to be somewhat in line otherwise they're just going to be disappointed so sarah how much difference is it between design trend and client preference we don't follow the trends so much we more try to set the trends like you know we were talking about that before about you know what we're designing now is what you're going to see in magazines like two three years from now right and so it's like we don't want to show what you're seeing now like that's not the point that's going to be out of date by the time we get to it or by the time it gets installed and so we we're always looking forward like way way forward and the other thing that's interesting about it too is people will ask me like oh well what are the trends like well I'm like I can tell you what we're working on with our clients right now and that will be a trend later like that's you know and so that's the one thing that I find when homeowners do their own projects and they don't have design help it's like they're looking at what's current today and not what's current in two or three years. And so they're going, those houses will be out of date before they even finish. They're behind the times by not engaging somebody who knows what the future looks like. Great. And uh, what is the responsibility of the homeowner at the pre-construction stage? Like what questions should they be asking the team? A big question is that comes up often actually is uh, structure of contracts. How do people work? I mean, I, I shared how our design team works. That doesn't mean that every design team works like that. So I think that um, when they're interviewing professionals, they need to understand how that company works, what the communication is like, what, what's the billing like, what's the structure of the contract, all these different components. When you know what you're getting into before you get into it, you're making a very conscious decision to move forward versus sort of like going in blindly and, and not really knowing and then the expectations misaligned and, you know, someone's going to get disappointed. So asking those questions up front and, and being really clear. And, you know, I have people ask me often, you know, like, oh, should I go cost plus or should I go fixed fee? I'm like, well, there's pros and cons to both. And we talk through what those are. And then, you know, again, it doesn't matter to me. I, I have clients that do it both ways. I've done it both ways myself. Yeah, we definitely talked about that a few episodes uh, back with Matt Senth. And we were talking about the difference between fixed price and cost plus for anyone that wants to go back and listen to find out the difference of those. Awesome. You should be going back and listening to them on a regular basis anyway. But <laughs> on repeat all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> Answer 
all your questions. Well, I have a question for you for homeowners preparing to undertake a project of this scope. So I've, I've talked about this in the past when I did my renovation. Uh, nobody told me you should leave the house for three months while it's happening. We tried to live there. Oh, wrong decision. And I would absolutely <laughs> choose capping my own teeth over doing that again. Um, it, was, it wasn't a lot of fun. And I wish I had the relationships with Haven members that I have now. Let's talk a little about helping that homeowner avoid some of the mistakes that I made. Let's talk about how to prepare for what's about to happen, whether they're going to stay in the old home, whether they're going to be in the home where the reno's happening. Help us prepare a homeowner to avoid stress later to make sure it's a smooth process. What advice do you have for people? I think it depends very much on the scope of the project. So when, when I do a consultation with somebody and go to their place and, and talk about you know what they're going to do for their renovation and we talk about logistics. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a suite in the home and they can't actually stay there. But it depends. Do they work in the house? Do they have animals? Like, are the kids there? All those things will factor into um, sort of, uh, you know, I say to people, I'm like, well, for sanity, you know, you might want to be elsewhere. You know, this is what it, and I, and I show them pictures and I outline, you know, I've done it myself. I've lived through renovations. I'm living through one right now, like a total crazy person. But it's a matter of, again, setting that expectation so that people know what they're getting into. Um, and for some, for some people, depending on, you know, again, their life situation, it might be fine to live through a renovation for most people. It's not that fun. And I think that again, the expectation out there might be, (laughs) people say this to me all the time, like, they're like, oh, well, but it'll just be like a week or two where the kitchen's not operational. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's actually really not how it works. I mean, they do demo at the beginning and they put it back together at the end. And there are months of you not having bathrooms or kitchens or whatever else in between. And if that's the type of project that you're thinking about doing, you know, are you okay with doing dishes in your bathtub? Are you okay with takeout? Are you going to barbecue? Like how, how is this going to work for you on a daily basis? Because you, you have to know what you're getting into because sometimes I've had homeowners who are like, yeah, no, no problem. We can totally, yeah, we're going to, we're going to stay here. We have to, it's, you know, we can't afford to be elsewhere, which is like a big point that people make. And my response to that is it's not always more expensive to move out. Sometimes it's actually less expensive to move out. And yes, there's a cost to going somewhere else, a rental or whatever it might be, but you have to think about the construction guys every single day cleaning up that site to make sure it is safe for you. And, and maybe the, the drywaller wants to come at 11 PM to just throw that extra coat of mud on because that's when it's ready. It's like, he can't do that if you're there. So the timing can take longer. It's obviously disruptive to your overall life. So those, those are all things to think about when you're contemplating living, living in the house during a renovation. I'm a child of a builder and I grew up in renovations for my whole life. So I don't know how my mother did it, but they're still together. (laughs) Anyways, do you have just wrapping up here? Do you have like a specific example that, you know, the pre-construction phase went really well and like it's positive between you and the whole team? They usually go really well. I mean, I would say probably, you know, I have fewer examples of them going poorly than I have of them going well. You know, I think that the biggest thing to success is, again, having a team that is supportive of each other and that understands that we're all here for the common goal of getting that homeowner into that house for the best um, that they can. But I've seen the flip side of it too, where homeowners, so someone's called us late in the game and they've started a renovation with maybe without that planning and have asked us to sort of 
911 come in and help them. And so I, I've seen, I've seen what the flip side of it does. And that's why I advocate so strongly for, for getting organized and planning it out. At the end of the day, I feel strongly that it keeps the homeowners in control. Nobody wants to be that runaway renovation example that you hear about. Like nobody wants that. No, you don't want to be that run, yeah. runaway renovation ever. And, and Take that, it from me. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> the thing is, and I, I think that, you know, I'm so glad that you guys have this podcast happening because I think that there are a lot of people who just think that's how renovations are. They've like been that, watching too much HGTV. Yeah, there's too much HGTV <laughs> and there's all these, um, all this drama around like, well, no, that's just, that's just the way renovations, that's just a renovation. It's like, that is a hundred percent not the case. I'm like, you can plan a renovation out perfectly and have it executed perfectly and be like, how did this, how is this reality? And it is, you just have to get the right team involved and plan it. Well, this has been a really eye-opening conversation in the pre-construction phase and a very necessary one. We talked about a lot of different things, including the different approaches working with an independent professional versus a design-build team. Planning with a designer in a safe space as you pre-screened all the materials. Taking a holistic approach versus linear saves time and money. And when things happen, and they will, if you have a strong team of professionals working together, there will always be solutions. And of course, the value in pre-planning to secure accurate estimates, knowing it's okay to choose that faucet 18 months ahead of time, and designers plan ahead of trends. So if you could offer us one last piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, my biggest takeaway is always um, just plan it before you start. Like before you let anybody start construction on your new house or you let anybody rip apart your old house, figure out what you're doing and have a budget that actually is based on selections. Because if it's based on allowances, it, it means nothing. Thank you so much for coming in, Sarah, today. And it was nice to see you again. Uh, thinking about all the benefits of working with a designer and taking the time to plan pre-construction has really been empowering. If uh, people want to get in touch with you, uh, where do they go? Uh, best place would be probably through our website, sarahgallup.com. We're also Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the usual channels. There you go. Hey, thanks so much, Sarah. I feel so much better prepared to speak to our next guest, Graham, of My House Design Build Team, as he walks us through the construction phase. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once. Follow us and review us to help empower homeowners like yourself to make the right decision the first time. And automatically by doing so, you'll be entered to win a gas barbecue courtesy of our friends at Fortis BC. Search, browse, buy. Black Press Media brings you today's drive. Find your new vehicle on our exclusive platform and get driving. At todaysdrive.com, you'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. With new and used vehicles from the dealership around the corner and dealers across BC, the best venue to find your next vehicle is todaysdrive.com.